morning show, Sportsnet 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Keep up, man. You, you don't you don't know what the three separate Sorry. goal songs the Sorry. Leafs have had this Shame season. on me. Yeah, this, like, what, what, is, what is this? As the Leafs. Did a wrestler walk out to this? this all, when I don't know a song and we hear it, I always have to be on guard with that because we got Santos on the wheels of steel. Yeah. He loves his wrestling. Yeah. Shout uh, out Josh. Again, I, I don't know what the Panthers school song is, and I, you know what? Should just be this. Wow. Wow. Just a big cat, cat call. Josh Santos says it's the individual players get their goal songs. You know who doesn't care? Like a- anybody in, in Florida. And uh, there's been no discussion on Sports Talk Radio about the Panthers in general. Like how deep down the pecking order, like how the one guy on the Levitard show. He's the only guy. That's it. Roy Bellamy. Now, how tough would times have to be in Florida sports talk radio for them to be talking about the Panthers goal here? Oh, here's what it would be. Uh, If Tyler hero composed it, that's the only way (laughs) that that you're getting that talk in, in sunrise, Florida. Yeah. It's not, it's not happening. It's like if Dame Lillard got traded to the heat, and then wrote the Panthers goal song. That's how you would have discussed it. Hey, and you know what? That appeals to some people. Hey, Matthew Kachuk, right, in his interviews with uh, the former Flames writers, Eric Francis, mm-hmm. and you know, I'm talking about how great it is to to live in warmer climes and, and not be hounded by the media and, and scrutinized on a daily basis. Back to our little conversation with Damian Cox mm-hmm. about Austin Matthews never wavering from his... Uh, outward stance that he was going to remain a Toronto Maple Leaf and deciding to re-up. And I, I know it's not the eight years that everyone would have liked, but mm-hmm. I, I, he's going to spend more than a decade at yeah. least as a member of the Toronto Maple Leafs. I, I would hazard to guess he's going to spend his entire career here. I believe William Nylander, when he says he wants to be mm-hmm. a Toronto Maple Leaf, I think the, the the best case scenario for everybody is for him to, to re-sign yep. in Toronto. Uh, uh, I know it's not for everybody. Ryan O'Reilly notably was the guy that said that's thanks, but no thanks. Mm. Despite the fact that there was similar money, if not more money yeah, from, from, from the Leafs. But I think by Which probably would have meant no Max Domi, by the way. Also, I think that's the math. I mean, I, who makes more sense with this Leafs team? Uh, I know who the guy <laughs> who would have cost more and Ryan O'Reilly. Yeah. But I, I think, are, are we beyond and maybe it's we shouldn't just put every Canadian market under this blanket statement of Canadian market bad mm-hmm. and like having to fight an uphill battle yep. because Toronto again we just no offense Winnipeg but mm-hmm. Toronto different than Toronto different than Calgary and Toronto even different than Edmonton For despite sure. the fact that that's a team with similar aspirations here but no the, the Leaf players are treated rather well and while we can laugh at the fact that, that like they're they're a normal team now that mm-hmm. they've won a round of the playoffs. Like, I think the scrutiny thing that people associate Leaf players with in this city is way overblown. The thing I always, the point I've always made about it is that I think that so much of the quote unquote scrutiny, I think when people hear that, they think that Mitch Marner is walking around Loblaws or a grocery store and some guy's gone, hey, Mitchie, nice puck over the glass last night. Mm. That might happen, but I highly doubt it does. What I think happens is for a guy, and I'll use Marner as the example, but maybe Tavares can be this player or other guys who are from the area, they're walking around and they see a guy in a leaf hat and they go, oh, that guy's mad about the game last night. Whereas I think somebody like Austin Matthews, I just don't think he, not that he doesn't care. Mm. He reveres it. He loves being a leaf. I firmly believe all of that, but it's just his demeanor. It's his nature. He's... He's chill. He doesn't get flummoxed by much. And I just think that you're right. You definitely get lauded. But I think the players who wear it, 
it's their own perception of what it is to be a Leaf. It is not some guy on the street coming up to you and going, ah, oh, you blew it last night or yeah. whatever, whatever version no. of that you think it is. We're kinder than that. You know, Leaf players don't get scrutinized nearly as much as people who are in charge of lists, <laughs> right? Like, oh, especially oh, love a list player debate. ranking lists. Those people get scrutinized. We got one right now who we're going to scrutinize. It's Greg Wyshynski, ESPN senior writer. How's it going, Greg? I think the funniest thing you guys have said is uh, I think you called the Leafs a normal team now because they won a round in the yeah. playoffs. It did happen. It's true. Yeah. And it's true, Greg. Aren't they there's kind that's of normal? All, that's all they yeah, that's all they needed to do all these years to be a quote unquote normal team is just finally win around in the playoffs. And then they're just they're just some rando now. They're like the Minnesota Wild. They're just a, a random normal team now that they won around in the playoffs. More normal? Is that fair to say? Like not this team that's like insanely cursed twenty plus years of not winning a single round of no, the playoffs. No, they're still they're still super cursed, just for the record, but just slightly less. Yeah, so. I mean yeah, I mean, we're still talking about a, a drought that tracks back to, like, a moon landing. And, and so, uh, you know, when, when we start talking about that kind of thing, then it does uh, veer into the realm of uh, abnormal as far as uh, the, the treatment of the team. But I, I do understand what you're saying is that, like, a certain amount of, of pressure is relieved when you finally win a playoff round. And, and now instead of the story being can they get past the first round, the story is, you know, can, can they win a cup? And, and it becomes a little bit more plausible. So from that aspect, I understand the – the normalcy of it. I just, I just, any, anytime the word normal is applied to the Toronto Maple Leafs, it always gives me a chuckle, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It's like Cowboys normal as normal as it can right. be expected. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. As, as normal, as normal as building your entire morning show on ESPN around the same team every day can be. You're exactly hey, right. We haven't been talking about the Leafs for two hour and a half hours here already. No chance. No. <laughs> But you're local, though. That makes yeah. sense. The other, you know, with the, that's the most amazing thing about the Cowboys. Like, the Cowboys literally could be your content for a week, like, on, on a national television show. And, and God bless them for it. I mean, you got to talk about something. But uh, I'll, never, I'll never be not amazed at how much, you know, copy you could squeeze out of a Dak, Dak Prescott interception. It'll be uh, LeBron James season soon enough. Um, and then they'll have the second topic, so that'll be good. Uh, all right, to your list. Stop, stop uh, delaying the inevitable. Talking about this top 100, which you didn't like, sit down yourself. Why uh, did you do this, Greg? <laughs> we get to, you know. Go ahead. It sucks. It's 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 bad. It's so. Here's the thing. On on our on our podcast drop today, me and Arda like pull back the curtain on how the list was made. So if you really want to get into the weeds on. On what happened here, we talk about it on the podcast. You can go find that on the NHL on ESPN feed. But in summary, like it's a it's a group of like fifty people at ESPN. They all use a mechanism to sort of rate players against each other, and they come up with this list. So it's not my list. Um, although I've come to find out a lot of people in Pittsburgh believe it's my list, um, and it is also not a situation where fifty people, you know, sat down and, and ranked a hundred players one to a hundred. I mean, like. Steve Levy does not have that time. So, you know, we, we came up with a way to kind of do it involving the most people. And it turned out this, this list and, and some of the things on the list are quite good. I mean, and there, you know, there are certain players that are ranked where they should be uh, making McDavid and, and McCarr one and two. I don't know if you're going to get too many arguments with that. And, and then, you know, there are some situations where the, the, the list went off the rails, like having Seth Jones, higher than, you know, like Quinn Hughes and Jacob Slavin and Alex Petrangelo and, and what have you. And, you know, I think part of the confusion is that the list is supposed to be about who's going to have the most impact on their team this season. It's not necessarily for services rendered, but like 
who's going to be the most impactful player of the season, which is why I think you see Jack Hughes all the way up at like number four, which seems ridiculous, but at the same time, I mean, yeah, you not your list. Already, sure. Sure. Not your list. No, I know. I know. Right. Exactly. Well, listen, I didn't say it wasn't the East coast's list, I'll say <laughs> that, but, uh, uh, but I mean, like if you think about impact, there, there are certain, you know, placements on the list that, that don't make sense in, uh, in, you know, in aggregate that maybe makes sense later on in the season, but, you know, overall, it's it is what it is, and there are certainly some flaws, like for example, leaving Evgeny Malkin out of the top 100. Yeah, that was the one uh, that that people have been the most upset about. Although I I, I was half joking, but not that uh, the idea of Jack Hughes being above uh, Drysaddle and Matthews little crazy to me. He could be six or seven if he wants, just uh, just not there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like I, I think he's t- he's definitely top 15, maybe even top 10. The idea that he should be ahead of Matthews and, and Drysaddle is is a little bit, you know, of a, of a reach, I think, at this point. But, I mean, at the end of the year, if he racks up over 100 points and, like, walks away with the Hart Trophy or something, like, it might be a different conversation. But um, that's that's where Jack Hughes is, is is one of the worries, but the least of our worries <laughs> as far as what would have with this list. <laughs> no, and honestly, like, you were joking about the, you know, ESPN and the Cowboys and the first take of it all and everything, but... Like, I think it's good that we have more of this in the game. I mean, like, you work for ESPN. It's part of what you do. Embrace debate, all that. And hockey sometimes is so hesitant to get in there. I love the idea that this is kind of becoming a staple. You know, the Athletic put out one as well. The idea of it's just something that gets bandied about. And we see this in other sports all the time. We have these debates about NBA players and NFL players. And I think, you know, not that there's a problem or that it's been wrong the way we talk about hockey. But I just think it is nice that we're kind of more open to these kind of things. And I realize maybe I'm talking to the guy who's getting screamed at, so he feels differently about it. But I think it's good, Greg. No, I don't. I don't feel differently. I, I'm, my entire career is based on making lists. My first book was lists. Like I love lists. Um, how are power rankings? You know, despite being cliche, are one of the things that is the most reliable traffic drivers for any site. That's why you see them all the time, whether it's us or the athletic or whomever that do them every week. So, like people love lists, and and so. Like I said on the on the podcast today, the the problem is that you don't want to make a list. You want to make a list where you get people debating it. You know that's that's the whole point. Like people are just you know, people come at you with like, oh, you you just did this for clicks. Well, like of course we did. What are you an idiot? Yeah. Like we, yeah, we're want, just doing this so create, people listen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This this isn't an this isn't an academic study. Like we're not going into the New England <laughs> Journal of Medicine to list about where. You know, Sebastian Ajo is in the top 25. Like, and the Islanders one. Clearly are doing it. Yeah, we're clearly doing it for clicks. But the thing is, is that uh-huh. you don't want to do it and then have people be like, well, the things that you've done on this list or, or, or an omission on the list in, invalidates it and then also, you know, disparages the rest of the work that you guys do. And that, that seems to be the reaction from more, more people than you'd want. With, with this list. I mean, you're always going to get a little bit of backlash and you're always going to get a bunch of like, this is why ESPN doesn't know anything about hockey kind of thing. Like that happens no matter what, but it just seems to happen a lot more here. <laughs> and, 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 and it's, it's unfair. Like, I mean, if, if, if the, if the process of putting the list together produce something that's not great, then we got to examine the process, but it shouldn't invalidate the rest of the good work that we do. And it certainly shouldn't, results in the people working there getting, you know, slings and arrows from people because of, you know, getting Malkin to make the top 100, which was, again, a problem. 
<laughs> yeah, it's a fine, fine list, and it's it's good fodder. God, yeah, people sitting in the the place that Brent and I sit love when when this stuff comes up. You we, do another one next you. week with a different guy in the number four <laughs> slot. Yeah. Well, that's what that's that's what's funny about it is that like someone told me that like Pittsburgh radio was taking her local Pittsburgh radio was taking a run at me yesterday and just like trashing me and trashing the <laughs> list and. I'm just thinking to myself, okay, like how many how many hours did we give you this week to, to go over this list and create something that you, all the callers can rage against? I mean, there is a certain amount of, of beautiful hypocrisy anytime you have something like this come out. And, you know, we're usually a party to it when there's something that is, you know, uh, that comes out that you disagree with. And then you're just like, this is trash, but we're going to talk about it for a long time. <laughs> and so we, we understand the function of, of these things for sure. Well, and what I've done with it too is is used it as, because it's not perfect and you would admit that, but like it, yeah, it, it gives you a, a pretty good sketch. And I, I think you can have a takeaway. You can, you can look at, hey, the Leafs have uh, one defenseman, obviously, in the top 100. It's Morgan Riley. He's 96. You look at every Eastern Conference playoff team from a season ago, each and every one outside of the Islanders has at least one defenseman ranked higher than the Leafs. And, boy, that's, that's that's yeah, true and, and hard to argue with and uh, probably more indicative of the reason that the Leafs haven't had a bunch of postseason success over the last seven years as opposed to some moral failing or, or like, some some curse yeah, no, I mean that's that's fair, and then and then you know not only that, but you look at uh, the number of players certain teams have on the list versus uh, you know teams that only have maybe like one guy floating on there. It's it is kind of a good sketch uh, of things, and and uh, you know when it comes to the Leafs, I mean the DNA of a of a championship team finds you with uh, two good centers, which they have, and now you know it's usually two good def- two you know I wouldn't say franchise level, but two num- number one guys which I don't think they have. And then a goalie that's not going to lose you a series, which they, they might have. So when you think of the, the DNA of a championship team, I think the Leafs do probably, if you were going to break it down into those, those pieces, um, the, the, the blue line is probably the, the biggest efficiency. Yeah, it definitely is. And, you know, Klingberg was the big offseason addition there. And, uh, you know, an offensive defenseman, maybe not the uh, thing they needed to go out and get. But we shall see. Uh, you know, believe it or not, uh, this may shock you. I'd like to discuss other teams outside of the Leafs and your your terrible, awful, <laughs> no good list with you. Uh, you know, we've been so bogged down in Leafland here. And it went from Matthews is never going to stop scoring to the skies falling. They couldn't even beat the Blackhawks. What has been the biggest storyline to you in the league outside of Toronto? Not that they've been the biggest one, but again, we've been so bogged down in, in Leafland here. What's kind of jumped out to you from the first week and change here? Um, that, that, you know, we had that cluster of teams in the Atlantic that we're all, all curious about um, Buffalo and, and Detroit and Ottawa. And two of them look really good. <laughs> like, like Ottawa looks great. Like they're playing with speed. They're, they're flashing a lot of offensive talent. Um, they're putting a hurt on people and, and Detroit's kind of the same way. I saw them opening night against the devils. Um, they've got a little something going there and, and their special teams been great right off the hop. So those two coming out of the gate as strong as they have, I thought was interesting while the other one, and this is the other really interesting part. Buffalo was, I think the team, a lot of people thought was going to be the one to emerge from that pack and maybe take over one of those playoff spots. If a Florida or a Tampa Bay or a Boston faltered, and, uh, and they don't look ready for prime time quite yet. My, my concern with them um, is that Devin Levi is going to kind of learn on the job behind a defense that is insufficient to help a rookie goalie really learn on the job. Like he's going to have to play extraordinarily well because his team can't defend. 
But that hasn't really been the issue. The issue is Tage Thompson doesn't have a point yet. And, and this offense that we saw really churn last season hasn't really done it yet. So, I don't know. Buffalo, Buffalo was a team that I did not think was going to be all that good. Uh, I didn't have them in the playoffs this year, but I know a lot of people did. So to see Ottawa and Detroit really jump out and then the Sabres not, I think, is one of the more interesting storylines so far this year. Yeah, uh, early going. But, yeah, the, the Sabres only finding themselves with one win this season and the, the Sens with the big victory yesterday. Uh, Greg, we love your list, as always, and uh, we love having you on the radio station. Thank you. <laughs> My pleasure. Anytime. Lists, lists are great, folks. Take them with a grain of salt. <laughs> we will. See you, man. All right, that's Greg Wyshynski, ESPN list maker extraordinaire. Insulter of many players, many franchises. Arrow taker as yeah. well. It yeah. does, like, uh, you know, well compensated, I'm sure. Gets to be the face of hockey for ESPN, all this stuff. It's fine. Well, maybe not the face of hockey, but one of them. Yeah. But, like, he said, just. 50 some odd people. Anybody yelling at Emily Kaplan about this? I don't know. Maybe if they are, good. Steve Levy. Like how much impact is Steve Levy having? So, I mean, again, he he said, and go check out his podcast, The Drop, where he explains all this. If you're curious, I don't want to because I like to envision mm -hmm. them just walk. Steve's walking by the boardroom and he pokes his head and he goes, like, yeah, yeah, hey, yeah, McDavid won. That Hughes, yeah. lower. He's a better <laughs> player. And they're like, hey. Steve called it, and that's that. Like, I like to think he was the kingmaker of it all. Yeah. Get Gino out of here. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, Wish, you're going to wear all this. So have fun. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, have fun on the drop, guys. Shield. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, who's a bigger meat shield? John Schneider or Greg Wyshynski for the list? Great, great question. Great yeah. question. Uh, yeah, man. A lot of interesting stuff in there. The the Thompson thing that he mentioned. Yeah. I by no means did I call him to fall off the face of the earth, and he hasn't. It's been three, four games, whatever it's been. But his career shooting percentage buoyed by 15% two years ago and 15.9 last year. His career percentage, including those, is 12.6. Mm. The year before that, shot 8.3% mm. uh, of his shots in the net, and obviously with no goals, he's at a big old 0% <laughs> this year. But shooting percentage is something that typically regresses, 15% uh, 15% is a nuts mark. Matthews does not shoot at, at that percentage. So uh, just something to be watch, mindful there. If he is not the number one center, that's going to be a big question mark for them. You love a lot of the pieces there, but how many how many conversations have we had? It's the exact inverse of the Leafs of, ah, but they don't have a number one center. And, you know, say what you will about, well, I shouldn't say that. I was going to say, say what you will about Morgan Riley, but I like him as a number one D better than Tage Thompson as number one center. But I don't know that that's true. Yeah, and every year we do this in the Atlantic, hey, it's going to be kind of a changing card. Like, there's going to be somebody else, and it's always Leafs, Bruins, Lightning in whatever order. Never the Leafs at the top, but yeah, like the uh, all Canadian three. division was fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For yeah. a time. Again, it, it bought you yeah, what? Uh, I mean, game seven on home ice in, in front of fans, but yeah. Yeah, including a couple like, Canadians yeah, fans. Okay. It's great. Well, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's always those three teams, and it may still end up being those three teams, but boy... Lightning are watching the puck go into their net a whole bunch. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, Andre Vasilevsky is still a couple of months away from returning. Yeah, my my big theory on them that has uh, not proved to fruition that I had after watching them play an awesome game on opening night mm -hmm. uh, against the Preds, I thought that I, I was thinking, hmm, this is going to be a Lightning team that's going to play lock it down for two, three months, and then they're going to get one of the best big money goalies in the world back. Uh, obviously not the case uh, th thus far. It's bound to happen. I, it's 
in my opinion, it has been complete two sides. Like normally when this happens, it would be, you'd be giving all the credit to Tampa and Boston for staying afloat and staying up there and forcing the other teams down. But it has also been the Sens, the Sabres, the Wings, not grabbing at it. It really does feel like it is just a complete kind of switching of the guards here of Boston and, you know, Tampa obviously ready to kind of slide out. And then you see with Ottawa, I will say I'm I'm not ready to buy Detroit yet. That was a team I thought was a little ahead of schedule or I, I should say more weirdly scheduled than, than, a, than ahead of schedule there. I would have thought it was the Sabres and, and Sens pushing. So I'm surprised Buffalo's off to the start. They are Ottawa, not so much. Because if they, if they didn't get going now, yeah. there'd be real questions to ask. And not about, oh, can you win with Brady Kachuk? Can you, what is Tim Stutzla? But what exactly have you built there if they're all together and they're all paid and they still can't do anything? So that's why it's such a massive fork in the road year for them. No, they got to make the playoffs this year. Sure they do. They paid a goalie. They have a new (laughs) owner. He's going to spend money. Uh, Yeah. The Sabres less so. Like, they got to be around the playoffs. But yeah. no, No, I go... I mean, because they have guys locked up and because they seem to be believing in the plan of Kevin Adams and everything, I suppose it's not a like heads will roll year, but how much farther ahead of the Sabres or the center or, or should the Sabres be than the senators? The Sabres didn't get the first overall pick or the Sens didn't get the first overall pick. They didn't get it twice to use. And, you know, Stutzla, if you do a redraft, maybe he goes one in his draft. Okay, good. They got a nice player there. It's not a number one stud and maybe he grows into it, but like Dalene is and like I think power is going to be. So it's mind boggling that they have the twin towers that they do and I realize they're young there, but that alone should be enough to buoy you into a playoff spot. It's it's remarkable if they if they have another year where they're they're spinning their wheels here. Was buoy on your word of the day calendar today? I no, I like. use it a lot. Yeah, today is your big buoy day. Uh, shout out to the... Saw a boat video on Instagram when I was up. Couldn't sleep last night. Maybe that's why. <laughs> Is that true? Yeah. What about just like I, I, boats? Man, Do you watch a lot of boat videos? I don't... Well, again, I... Okay. I've told you this. The The listeners out there have not been privy. My Instagram algorithm, you know, it, it knows you better than most. So you mm-hmm. golf, golf's on there. But also a lot of just like, hey, here's how you park your boat. I don't know why. What? Because I find it is like, it is Do you talk about boats? No, I don't, but it's calm. I do end up, like if it comes across my screen, (laughs) I also have this other one where it's a guy and he's just a captain and he'll like put his face, he'll put his face on front of somebody and he'll be like, this guy's doing a great job handling the chop. And I don't know, but he clearly does. So, and then the the other, well, no, because this is weirder is the other thing that's also in my algorithm all the time, and I think that it knows what's going to happen in the future, unfortunately, is a lot of guys telling me how to make food in jail. Mm. Like, hey, this is how you take a ramen noodle and miss Mm. it with a a hot Cheetos and a spicy pickle, and it's lunch or something. I don't... It's weird. I don't like it. A lot of jail and boats and golf. That's super interesting. (laughs) My Instagram algorithm is uh, very obvious and and very, yeah, it's one-dimensional. Yeah. I'll just leave it at that. All right. Uh, The dynamic duo of John Mulaney and Pete... There might be some of that in there for me as well. (laughs) The dynamic duo of John Mulaney and Pete Davidson are coming to Casino Rama Resort on November 9th. We're giving away tickets all week long. To enter, all you have to do is tune into episodes of the Fan Morning Show, listen for the code word, then text the code word to 590-590. Today's code word is comedy. Text comedy to 590-590 right now to enter for your chance to win. We will be giving away another pair of tickets tomorrow, but if you don't win with us, you can secure your tickets at Ticketmaster.ca. I am cooler than you because jail and boats are way cooler. Yeah. That's pretty cool, both of them. Going to jail is... 
What's cooler than that? I mean, we come on. We all watch movies. It looks looks cool in there. I don't want to go. Yeah, I'm cooler than you. I'm I'm hammering it home, man. If you get a tattoo, like there's no, no chance, no debate that you're the cooler. I'm guy. definitely not getting a tattoo. Right. I'm a giant coward. Uh, our not next cool. guest, I imagine, has a tattoo. This guy's cool. Feels very obvious. Yeah, yeah. that he does. Uh, Shane O'Brien, former NHL defenseman, host of the Missing Curfew podcast, and he was the guy that Corey Perry was pointing to. He scored. Yeah, motivate a leaf next time, Obi. What's up? <laughs> All right, we'll talk to uh, Shane O'Brien next. The Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. So the hockey world is wondering, so I have to ask on your goal, who are you pointing at? Well, it was funny. Uh, the first first time out, I saw I saw Shane O'Brien and uh, Scotty Upshaw in the corner there. And, um, and you know, I played with both of them. I know them really well. And, uh, you know, when I scored, I just gave them a little point. There we go. Mystery self. Corey, thanks so much for the time. All right. Thanks. Fan morning show, Sportsnet 5.9 of the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Yeah, that was Corey Perry scoring his obligatory goal against the his, Toronto Maple His Leafs. obligatory breakaway yeah. goal. Where, again, <laughs> like, great player still. Uh, uh, not the fleetest of foot. And it always happens somehow. Mm-hmm. Behind all the Leafs. Somehow, some way. Corey Perry. Yeah, there's not a... A rat's a, rat. And I mean that as a compliment. There's not a ton of, like, bottom six dudes that are as obvious to finish on a breakaway as nope. Corey Perry. But again, as against obvious the Leafs. to score against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. I, I, I think it's unlikely that anyone ever points to me after scoring a goal in the national hockey league. I wouldn't rule it out entirely. Mm. Like yeah, where, where would you put your percentage chance of being the, the recipient of a, of an NHL player's point after scoring well um i need to wait a while but i had my uh not yet three-year-old doing toe drags in the living room the other day so i don't know maybe 20 years i could wait i don't mean to brag too but my my kids practice yesterday he was doing the toe drag around the pylon so well he was pulled out of the group as the guys like everybody everybody. look at him look at he's doing it right do it like this wow look at you yeah what happened uh like how I, i i don't know (laughs) <laughs> it's certainly not genetics. I don't know. Sometimes you, you get lucky, I suppose. Uh, and, and he's enjoying it. Enjoying watching this Leaf season, despite the fact that it is. Because we have played hockey together. I don't remember you at all on the ice. Uh, Baycrest a couple of years ago. Oh, dude, I'd, for, I'd forgotten. totally forgotten yeah. that we had played hockey. I don't remember your quality of play either. I suck. It's fine. I, I, uh, I, I remember... Uh, you know, like friendly, threatening Brad boys of you better give me a tap in because I'm not coming here and not going to score a goal. So mm-hmm. you better give me a tuck, Brad boys. And guess what? This this will shock everyone listening. Uh, he has silky mitts and he obliged to give me a beautiful tap in. What I remember most, and I don't know if it was the game that we played it because I think I played it a couple of times, was uh, our... our uh, Former co-worker Hugh Burrell mm. on the very first shift that he played. I wasn't there for this, but I heard this. Holy God. Like, it's like everybody's different skill level, and some people haven't been on skates yep. in a while, and that's totally fine. Like, that's just the nature of an event like that. But Hugh Burrell, I guess, had not been on skates in so long, and w- I don't know, do, forgot, like, where his center of, of gravity was, and stepped onto the ice and immediately went... Kaputs. L- like... 
legs flying out in front of him and his head, he was wearing a helmet, but yeah. like right off the ice. I was like, oh, well, I guess the tournament is canceled because this guy's <laughs> going to be in a coma. But yeah, he's, this, <laughs> he survived. This happens with Hugh because I played in a Canadian Open media day mm-hmm. with Hugh and Sam McKee and McKee was driving the cart and as Burl went to sit in it, McKee just was like fast and furious trying to floor it. And it caused him to like jut in a way and he nicked his head. He had a, it was a bald man. He cut his head on the top of the cart. So this just like careful with work events with Hugh, I guess. God yeah. love you. Shout out. Yeah. Who's uh, working in golf. Uh, he's living the dream right now. Boy, is he. Uh, so Leafs play the Panthers for the first time since their five game playoff series in round number two uh, a season ago, 160 days ago. Maple Leafs also riding a string of three consecutive games picking up at least one fighting major. Now, mm. it's been Ryan Reeves twice um, and Noah Gregor in the third game. We'll see if that continues today. Um, although you People know, would like it to. I'll some, tell you that Some much. of the notable figures that were involved physically for the Panthers, uh, one is injured and one is uh, no longer playing for the Panthers. All right. This Insider is brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Today's Insider is a guy who is uh, traveling the country, uh, checking out some NHL barns. It is Shane O'Brien, former NHL defenseman, host of the Missing Curfew podcast, and yes, the target of uh, Corey Perry's point on Monday. How's it going, Shane? <laughs> Fellas, how we doing? Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for doing this. Where are you now? So are you, are you done with Toronto? Yeah, yeah. Three nights in the city was enough for me nowadays, boy, nowadays boys. <laughs> I... Uh, can't do it like I used to, so the updog flew home, and I'm in uh, I'm in beautiful Port Hope, Ontario, on full uncle duty for the next uh, well until Monday. So I'm on uncle duty now. That's awesome. That's awesome. We love to hear it, and I know talking with you all the time. Uh, normally, when you're out, you're out west there. I know you always love uh, getting back. Um, you know, Shane, we've talked a lot about the affinity you have for for the local team. You couldn't have spurned on one of our beloved Leafs. You had to motivate the all-time Leaf killer, all-time rat, and I mean that as a compliment, Corey Perry. Uh, you're killing me here, Obi. Yeah, well, listen, uh, I, I killed myself because I took the Leafs money line, boys, at minus 340, <laughs> and, I had, and I had the over. So when, when, Paris, when uh, Paris scored, I thought, well, at least that hopes are over. But mm. you know what? Um, listen, I was, to be honest with you, boys, you know, Connor Bernard comes into Toronto, and, and for me, you know, I look at a guy like Mitch Marner, like, is that not a, I know it's a Monday night and it's a long season, but, you know, his effort, you know, Monday night to me just wasn't good enough. And I know it's only game three and it's all about playoffs in Toronto, but as an ex-player, and I could just imagine if a young kid would have came into Vancouver with the Sedins, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I just thought the Leafs would have been better and maybe could have proved a point to Connor, like, hey, listen, welcome to Toronto. This is, you know, this is the NHL, but it just didn't work out that way. And to me, they were really, really flat. Yeah, they, they they did take, a again, a fighting major in that game. It was Noah Gregor. And, yeah, Brian Reeves was definitely involved verbally with, with Corey Perry. Uh, so they, yeah. they, they have, I mean, it's a different weight class. But, yeah, like no career fights, despite the fact that there was certainly some verbal barbs. And then afterwards, uh, Ryan Reeves uh, voices displeasure towards Corey Perry, just in a general sense. I mentioned it going into this Panthers game tonight, coming off the five-game series that those two played uh, against uh, each other a season ago where physicality was a major, major talking point coming out of it. I mean, are the Leafs tougher this season, and, and do they feel like a different team to play against in that respect? 
Yeah, I, I think so. Obviously, listen, I, I respect Ryan Reeves uh, a lot. I don't love him, you know, tripping down the bench at my boy Corey Perry. But at the same time, you know, I turned to the updog and I said, you know, why don't the Blackhawks have a heavyweight, right? Like, you're going to finish dead last. You got the number one overall pick that's supposed to be the next generational player. And you got, you know, borderline future Hall of Famer Corey Perry having to bark at Revo. So if I was the GM, Carl Davis to the Blackhawks, I would be signing somebody tough so, so Perry doesn't have to deal with that. But listen, Revo's been great. The first two nights running around. Uh, pair of fights, uh, he's been great. Bertuzzi, you know, I, I like I said, it's a small sample size, but I think he could be even a little bit more physical. Um, you know, I love Max Domi. I don't love exactly where they got Max playing right now, but it is what it is. But I do think the Leafs are built better for playoff hockey. Yeah, it's funny with Domi. A lot of people saying the exact same thing of, you know, you like the player, you like that he brings a little bit of bite, he knows the market, he knows what people respond to there, but it just doesn't seem like there's a there there's a clean fit there. I mean, just to kind of stick on on Reeves for for a second there. I mean, you're a tough guy. You've played with some tough guys, I I imagine. You know, we see people sometimes from outside rolling their eyes a little bit of, oh, it makes Matthews play harder. Well, what does it mean to a to a team to have a guy in and let's kind of drill down on what Ryan Reeves is. He's not a tough guy. He's maybe the toughest guy. What do you think it does to, you know, be it even a younger player like Fraser Minton or a or a superstar like Austin Matthews to have that guy in their corner? Yeah, it's huge. I mean, he brings a swagger to the team, obviously, that um, only Ryan Reeves can bring. But, you know, for, for, for younger guys, for your star players, you know you're protected. And it just keeps the other team honest. I mean, you know, back in the day, boys, when, when I was playing, I would look at the board and a guy like my boy, the Big Earn, you come in after, after warm-up and you look at the board and they take Big Earn's name off the board, I got a little bit tougher. I got a little bit taller. You know, I played a little bit harder after the whistles and stuff like that. So when you come in Toronto and you see Ryan Reeves in the lineup, now, granted, the game's a lot different than it was when I played, but you still recognize that he's out there and it keeps everybody honest. Who Who is the toughest guy or best fighter you you played with? I mean, you referenced a guy there that, that you loved not running into. Uh, should, he, should he be out there? But is there one name that kind of jumps to mind of all the, the teams you played on? And, and you know I love this, Obi. If there's some guy who is, like, playing on your OJHL team in Port Hope who's crazy tough that you want to tell me about, I'd happily hear about that too. But, <laughs> but who's the guy that jumps out to your yeah. head when I ask you that? Yeah, you know, obviously the big earn in Calgary. I have a lot of respect for Darcy Horderchuk in, uh, you know, Vancouver. But I got to jump out to me, you know, God rest his soul, is Rick Rippin. Not the biggest guy, but would go out there and chuck him with anybody. What a warrior. Uh, just, yeah, it was just nice to have Ripper. Hey, Ripper just put us over the top, right? Then you had Horderchuk, Rippin, Bieksa, myself, Tanner Glass. It just made us so much tougher as a team. So when I look back and everything Ripper did for our hockey club, and he was such a good little player, that's, that's the one guy that really, really jumped out when he asked that question. Yeah, and Ryan Reeves does feel like the unquestioned uh, heavyweight belt holder. Jack although, guy wants it. He wants the belt. Yeah, well, and, and they fought already <laughs> once this season, right, in the season opener. It wasn't much of a fight because they fell into the net. Like, is that a building narrative, those two, and, like, the return affair between uh, Wi-Fi and, and Ryan Reeves? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, listen, I, I get what Wi-Fi did, right? Reeves was running around. You come flying in and grab him. I did that. Everyone that, that, that played a physical game has done that before in their career. So uh, he's got to be ready for whatever they play again. Uh, you know, Revo is going to be right there waiting for him. Uh, and then I'm, I'm excited to see Revo and Lucic, right? Toronto, Boston, see how that unfolds. But I love that Wi-Fi kid, and I love what he did. But 
he's definitely going to have to answer the bell again. Oh, man, I am. That's two fights that we are 1,000% getting this year that I am dying for. The rematch <laughs> in Montreal, and, man, Luch, Luch and Reeves, uh, that is certainly going to be a fun one because they have to. It's it's kind of crazy. Like, the does the Atlantic, is it just far and away the most fun division in hockey? You know, like, I don't want to I don't want to poo-poo on the Metro and all the skill they have there, but, I mean, we know the skill level in this division. You've seen what Tampa's done the last couple of years. You see the one, the run Florida just went on, and then they probably have the three toughest guys in the league. It's just kind of occurred to me that they might have the most talented and the toughest division as well. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely the toughest division, right? You see a guy like Austin Watson get uh, signed to a PTO in Tampa with my boy John Cooper. That's just because Coop knows he looks around the rest of the division and sees everybody's got a guy. And, you know, when I was in the league, that's how it worked. Everybody had a guy on their team. I mean, the guys were a lot bigger, a lot tougher back then, but they kept their jobs because other guys were in the league. So, I'm old school, fellas. You know it. I love it. I wish there was more physicality at times, but uh, I would say the Atlantic's definitely the toughest division right now. Uh, so they get the Panthers for the first time again since the playoff series. First time this season, the Panthers off to an eh, a pretty mass start after being the Eastern Conference champs uh, a season ago. People in Sunrise, Florida being alerted to the fact that there is a hockey team there. You you wrapped up your career with the Panthers, you, you obviously played in some, some big hockey markets too in, in Vancouver. I mean, wh- what is it like for those Panthers players, especially during a regular season where, like, yeah, the, the, the attention, despite the fact that that was, I'm sure, a fun run for the residents of Sunrise, Florida, and, and Miami, it, it, it back into the, into the doldrums as far as being way down the pecking order as far as attention. Yeah, no, that used to be a nice little, it used to be nice going through the state of Florida back when I played boys. You get your two points in Tampa, I get your two points in Sunrise, and then head down to Miami for a night off. But it's definitely been different now. And, and for the Florida Panthers, listen, without Montour, Ekblad, and Barrett right now, they're obviously not the same hockey club they were. Um, Oliver Ekblad Larson's the guy they brought in that they hope can find, you know, a little bit of fountain of use. But, um, Every game's important in the NHL right now. Do I think I think this is a statement game for the Leafs? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, I don't think it's the Florida Panthers team they're going to see in the second half. Uh, but for me, Toronto, they just need to play every game and compete, man. Like, the best teams in the league compete. When you don't have your best game, you still find a way to win. Like, to me, if I'm in that organization, the way they played Monday night at home against Chicago, I would be like, is this the same old Leafs team? Like, come on, boys. Like, let's find a way to win. So maybe they'll have that tonight. There'll be lots of Leafs fans down there, as you boys know. So... It's always fun when the Leafs go to Florida. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, it goes back to the old Babcock, right? Find a way to start on time. And, you know, it's going to be the Panthers' home opener tonight. I wonder how much harder it is to do that. You've played in your own home openers. I'm sure you played in plenty of other people's as well. We always hear about heavy legs and standing around. And, you know, I can picture it. I can imagine. I hate waiting around to do something. But what is it like playing in a game where it's a home opener, there's a jersey retirement ceremony? And, you know, I imagine it's pretty different when it's yours. You have some juices, whereas when it's, you know, the other teams, you're going, great. What do I care who the trainer is? Yeah, I yeah, know. It's funny. My rookie year, we went into the old Joe, and it was Stevie, Stevie Eisen retirement jersey night or whatever. And, and Bercy's like, boys, we're not going out there for this. Everyone stays in the dressing room. And you went for this. And so we sat in there for like 35 minutes, <laughs> just kind of sitting around, all kind of like hanging out. And uh, we all kind of wanted to go up. But that was old Brian Burke's mentality, right? Bercy were there to win a hockey game, and I think we ended up winning the hockey game. But um, when you're on the team, um, yeah, it can be a little bit of a, not a distraction, but you come out, you're out of your routine, you come out a little bit slow. So um, if you're a Toronto Maple Leafs, you say, boys, let's jump on them early here because this is their home opener. Um, but I love the home openers, man. I had no problem getting up for those bad boys. Uh, Shane, 
in an alternate reality, you could have been up in Toronto watching the Blue Jays play postseason baseball. Throwing out the first oh, pitch again? Dude. I know you're... Yeah, yeah. Come on. What, what the hell happened this year? That was heartbreaking, boys. I, I uh, you know, the last <laughs> two months of the season, I really, I really dialed in and watched them. And, and my boy Loops was saying, I hope you can't hit. And, you know, he was right. We, did, we obviously couldn't <laughs> hit with runners in the scoring position. But just, just, just the at-bats they take. I mean, some of the at-bats, you know, I love Bo Bouchette. Um, you know, Vladimir Guerrero, he got better with his, with his ABs. I just thought at the end of the day, they didn't take very good at bats and obviously no clutch hitting, but that was, uh, that was disappointing boys. It hurt my soul and it hurt my bank account. So it was a double whammy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, you got to hedge. It's the Jays after all. Come on. I feel bad. I've been hedging on the Texas Rangers. All right. Philadelphia good. Phillies. I've been hedging on those boys. Oh, then you're rich. Good job. <laughs> uh, Shane, uh, great to talk to you. Uh, I'm glad that you had a good time in the city of Toronto, which it sounds like you did. It looks like you did in, in watching your Instagram stories as well. Yeah, always have a good time in Toronto, boys. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. See ya. There's Shane O'Brien, former NHL defenseman, host of the uh, Missing Curfew podcast. And this insider was brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit Don Valley North Lexus. Dot com. You know, we talk about former athletes who become media members, maybe being yep. afraid to criticize. And no, <laughs> uh, no, no, definitely not. Yeah, not a lot of talk about the intensity level being low, and specifically from uh, Mitch Marner on on Monday. Yeah. And and Austin Matthews, yeah, he didn't score, but he also had nine shots on goal and eighteen shot attempts, which is like a career high for him. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Mitch Marner is, has not put up the point total that uh, some of the other Leafs core members have as well. Like, we're, we're waiting for the, the Mitch Marner explosion game. We're waiting for the game. We've seen it from Matthews uh, twice. He has two hat-tricks. That's how it works. You score a hat-trick, it gets to be uh, your game. We've also seen William Nylander games where he is transcendent and not in the... not. Be, and we're not talking about him for the Willie games we often have where you go, oh, man, you loved 80% of Willie's shifts, but it was the two bad ones that killed you. That hasn't even been happening. Marner has been far from bad. Nothing along those lines. But you're waiting for the moment that he turns it on. You know, it's bad luck in part by him that he's out there for the change. He was the last man back on the on the Corey Perry breakaway that we that we referenced there with OB. So, yeah, he's been fine to start the season, but he's not paid to be fine. And he certainly doesn't want to get paid this upcoming summer to be fine. He is going to be... I won't say 100 because he's never done it, but a 96-point guy or whatever. He's going to have a great year like that, far from a concern. But, yes, you'd like to have at some point in time the game where he – I mean, even Tavares, he scored the lone goal in the Blackhawks game. He gave him a little life there. You're just – you're waiting for his moment. Yeah, no, he's racked up points this early part yep. of the season. Uh, as of William Nylander and obviously Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner just waiting to, to get to that level. Like, it's – it is a long season – Right, and we know this team is going to be judged on what it does in the postseason. And, oh, it's difficult to get up for all eighty-two games. Game three, though, yeah, yeah. And, and against I, a transcendent superstar. Yeah, that that is a little tougher, and and not on the back-to-back and playing a Blackhawks team that was playing its fourth consecutive road game to start the season. Yeah, that had been through a gauntlet of stuff. Not like I'm not going to overstate what the teams are. It's Boston, it's Montreal. Let's not overstate the gauntlet that they ran, but it was just, it was a long, long stretch for them. And I'm not even talking about the second period in which they got outscored. It's Mm -hmm. like the first period that they were lucky to escape scoreless from because Joseph Wall stole them the opening 20 minutes. It is 
we have talked about this a million times. I referenced Babs. He's, he harped on it then, and guess what? Uh, the ghost of him uh, should harp on it now. This team has to find a way to to start on time. I mean, I'm not asking for the old Rangers of, all right, we got to wake ourselves up. Uh, Ryan Reeves and apparently Noah Gregor, because he fights too, are starting, yeah. and they're going to go jump somebody to start the game. I don't need that, but something, some semblance of life. You need, you need to start the game with the ice tilted in your favor at some point here. Yeah, and uh, like this team is usually done over the years when they have an embarrassing performance, they bounce back with a less embarrassing performance. Yeah, but I one don't, of their best performances. I don't feel like they've been murdered for that game the way they quite no, rightfully true. should have. Even myself, I've I, been, okay, it's the third game I was of the thinking season. The same Matthews, thing. okay. They should have been murdered for that game. This well, day, it was bad. It was. I, well, I, you know why they didn't, though? is because they did pick up the four points in the first That's two games. It. Despite the fact that game and one only resulted in two points because you scored two six-on-five mm-hmm. goals against a Montreal Canadiens team that's going to be, what, dead last in, in the Eastern Conference when it's all said and done, or at least battling for, for dead last, yep. and then a very meh, wild team on, on Saturday that you could have put away, mm-hmm. and it was still a hockey yep. game by the end because you were so porous and leaky defensively. No, you know, retroactively, can we redo Tuesday's show? <laughs> Because, yeah, that, that that was pretty poor performance. But this goes to what Wish was making fun of us about, that it does kind of all go back to it just being a normal hockey team right yeah. now. Normal normal hockey teams That's are allowed to have duds. Yeah. And as long as it doesn't become a pattern and a habit, you go, okay, you're yeah. allowed to throw that one away. And, hey, if they have a dud tonight, guess what? Going to be a very different show tomorrow than it was on Tuesday. But that is the, all the proof in the pudding we needed right there that – they laid a dud on home ice, didn't start on time. Bedard comes in and at times was out playing your top line. And we had a kind of normal reaction. But uh, we should both promise to not let the pendulum swing too far the other way. Other way. Can't just let them off the hook all the time now because they actually won a round. Can't yeah, do that. no, you can't do that. And again, they, they won a round, but they lost in five games in pretty embarrassing fashion. Too. Okay, a team that made the, the the Stanley Cup final, but then I think we're exposed for the type of team yeah. that they were when they finally got there in this Panthers uh, sure. side. If ever there was uh, a moment to indicate that, yeah, okay, enough with this slow start and the, the porous defensive issues and maybe the lack of effort or lack of attention to detail on Monday and coming out and playing a full 60-minute hockey game. Tonight would be a good start. It certainly would. What do we think? Kachuk running around in Marner's kitchen being crazy. What do we think? Yeah, I, I would say that honestly, for, for a guy who's been on the losing side of the narrative thing and now is getting bumped down the lineup, this might be a good Max Domi mm. uh, getting in somebody's face. and, and he's, he's gonna have, it. He's having limited... I it's time to to take advantage yeah. of of trying to do that, and we've seen it sparingly. But if I were Max Domi, I'd be like, "Ooh, things are kind of early on here, getting away from me." Yep. Th- that would be something I initiated if I found myself on the ice with, yeah, a, a Matthew Kachuk. Uh, a Sheldon Keefe might make it so that never happens. Yeah, he had his way. But guess what? He doesn't have last change, and that'll be interesting to see. We haven't seen that yet this year. So very very different lineup, not lineup, but the the matches they'll be able to get on the road. Uh, you can listen to that game, 7 o'clock, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. We will be back tomorrow to talk about it on The Fan Morning Show. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, good, good morning. morning.